0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: We know that God can intervene anytime He chooses to do. And we should ask Him to do it based upon what we know. But we should also know that sometimes He lets that wicked power have its way. But He's even using those things for his
0: greater purposes. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Daniel chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, if you go back in the previous chapter, remember after Daniel had revealed the, the meaning of the, the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, he exalted the God of heaven. And he even said, if if he heard anyone speaking anything against the God of heaven, he would destroy them and turn their house into a a heap of rubble. So we we see how, um, you know, he goes from a, a moment where it seems like he's, He's being awakened to the reality of God, and now he's just drifted so far back that he is marveling that they could be worshiping another god beside his gods. And yet he knew that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worshiped the God of heaven. You know, most of these kinds of people in history have been, you know, crazy. <laughs> I mean, really, truly, you know, like irrational, like, you know, on the one hand, they seem like the, such nice people. You know, you, you probably know this. I mean, You know, there were many people that, that thought Adolf Hitler was actually a really nice guy. And in certain circumstances, he could appear to be very kind and generous. And, but he was a beast just slightly under the surface. And so I'm sure between the time of the, of the revelation of the dream and, and this, I'm sure these guys probably had hopeful thoughts about Nebuchadnezzar. And about their position and about how, man, you know, he, he seems to be really, you know, he's kind of sympathetic toward us and it's, it's all good. And then it just like switches that fast. That's how it is with crazy people. So he then gives them a chance to get things right. He says, now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. This is your chance, guys. We can get this sorted out. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand, so you know Nebuchadnezzar has in its in his own mind he's elevated himself to a deity he's greater than all the gods. what God is going to deliver you from me i'm I am God, and again this is this is a trait of dictators right the dictator in the in north korea they they That family claims divinity. And this has happened again and again and again. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, you know, I think when we read this story, we know the end of the story, right? We know what happened. When they said this, they did not know the end of the story. They didn't say to each other, hey, guys, don't worry. He's gonna throw us into the furnace, but we're not even gonna get burnt. <laughs> As a matter of fact, God himself is gonna come and join it. They didn't know that was gonna happen. And, and I think sometimes, we, because we already know the end of the story, We might look at the story and miss all of the human drama that was actually taking place at this time. So these guys are, I mean, they're basically being told you're going to be killed and there's no reason whatsoever to doubt the word of Nebuchadnezzar. He's killed many people already. And you know if you if you start thinking about it from that perspective you can imagine that there mu- there could have possibly been and and we don't know exactly you know the time frame did this happen in an hour did this happen over a day you know how long this whole little drama uh was being worked out but you can only imagine when you think about the the reality of it how they would have suffered emotionally over the prospect of what was a very real possibility for their their lives, that they would lose them very quickly. And I think sometimes it's it's good to pause and think about it a little bit. Because I know even myself, I, I mean, I know I can just read through the story and I know the story and I'm so familiar with it. And you lose the human element of it. You you lose the, you know, the actual drama that was there. And if we lose that, then we miss out on something that's a blessing to us. Because if we dig a little bit deeper into that, then we get a little bit more of an understanding of how the Lord Might have met them in the midst of even that um, desperate moment. But it would have been immediately obvious to them that this was the hardest test of loyalty to God they had ever faced. They they had already faced a little bit. But now this was, this was really the the ultimate test. It was the hardest test that anyone could face. It was the ultimate value decision. And, And you can imagine how easily one could rationalize just going with the flow. You could easily rationalize. Like, we know that this image is nothing. We this is an idol. This is this is just it's metal. It's nothing. We know there's one true God. God knows that we know that. God knows that we love Him. We're just gonna go, you know, we're gonna bow down. You know, we're going to bow our knee, but our hearts are, and our hearts are going to be standing before the Lord. You know, no need to lose our heads over this. In other words, it would have been easy to rationalize that. And, and you know, various times in history where these kinds of things have occurred, some have done that. In some of the early persecutions of the church by Rome, there were those who They were given the opportunity to um, remain alive by simply acknowledging Caesar as Lord. And some did. In our minds, we know Caesar isn't Lord. We know Jesus is Lord. But this isn't anything we want to lose our lives over. God's probably not requiring us to do that. So they would burn the incense utter the word caesar is lord and then immediately just say well i didn't mean that and they would escape death as by by doing that others had deeper convictions they couldn't go with it so they went to death then there came a point in in that period in church history where after the persecution had passed and those who offered sacrifice to caesar wanted to come back in the church and said, hey, you know, we didn't mean it. We were just, you know, we just didn't think that we needed to die over this. And there was a big push against that. No, you can't come back in. You denied the faith. And I'm only bringing this out because these kinds of things happen. They have happened over and over again. So you could imagine that they might have easily rationalized this. You might imagine them you know, thinking about their positions. I mean, these guys especially, you would think like, hey, we're, you know, we've got this strategic place in the kingdom. If we're gone, what good is that going to do anybody? But if we're here, we can, we can do good. So, okay, we'll just do it and then we'll get on with the business and we'll go about continuing to do what we can to help our people in exile and all that. I mean, you could see how their position, of course, their family, their security, all of these things would have come up in their minds, I'm sure. And so there was all of that, and then there was just simply God, the loyalty to God. And their conviction was so deep just like they had the conviction that they couldn't eat of the king's delicacies. And remember, they purposed in their heart, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not eat of the king's delicacies. So now that commitment is showing itself in a much more dangerous situation. And they're willing to lay down their lives if that's what it comes to. And so... They told him, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And so Nebuchadnezzar is furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the flaming furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So... As Nebuchadnezzar said, where is the God that's going to deliver you from my hand? And at this moment, he thought, there is not a God. But then something happened. (laughs) Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Wow. Isn't that great? (laughs) Remember, there is that passage in Isaiah where the Lord spoke to the people, and he said, when you go through the fire, you will not be harmed. When you go through the, through the river, it will not overflow you. When you go through the fire, you will not be harmed. And here that promise is literally being fulfilled. And there's a fourth person. Now, Nebuchadnezzar says the, the fourth person looks like a son of the gods. The... Older, I think it's the King James and New King James for sure says looks like the Son of God, which we automatically connect to Jesus. But the literal is looks like a son of the gods. So the you know, Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't know that there was a son of God like we know that. But what he did know by observation is that the the fourth person in the furnace was a divine being. And now we know with hindsight, who that fourth person was. That was the Lord. I will be with you when you pass through the fire. And there he was literally in the fire with them. So Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted. Now, I can imagine that his tone has completely changed from what it was Just a little while ago, when he was probably, you know, veins bursting in his neck. Who are you? I'm going to, you know, what God is going to deliver you? And now, I think his tone is more like, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. (laughs) (laughs) Servants of God Most High. I mean, remember, this guy is, you know, one of the most powerful, if not the most individually powerful person that ever lived in history. And as we read about him before, he put to death whoever he wanted to put to death. He kept alive whoever he wanted to keep alive. Uh, You know, this was not a guy that anybody was going to mess with. And now, once again, he's completely in awe of the God of Israel. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses turned into a pile of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amazing things. Now, a couple of things that I think of when I look at the story again you know just to kind of reiterate it once again these are things that happen in the history of the people of god and in the story here with Daniel in the first 6 chapters when these kinds of things occur we see god break through in a very powerful way to demonstrate his greatness to demonstrate that he is with his people and to deliver them, we don't always see the same thing in response to this kind of aggression or this kind of persecution that comes to the people of God. And so these things are here to to inform us that yes, there are times when God intervenes in obvious ways in miraculous ways there are times that he does that but there are many other stories in scripture that tell us that he doesn't always do that when you look at uh, the hall of faith in hebrews chapter 11 it talks about those who through faith subdued kingdoms worked righteousness stopped the mouths of lions you know, all, all of these extraordinary kinds of things, stopping the mouth of lions, referring obviously to Daniel, uh, quench the violence of fire, referencing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so it talks about those, but then it also goes on to talk about those who, by faith, um, they were put to death with a sword, sawn in two. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins and so forth. And, and so the point is that we know that God can intervene in these kinds of ways anytime he chooses to do. And we should ask him to do it based upon what we know. But we should also know that he doesn't always intervene in these ways. Sometimes he lets that wicked power have its way He lets his people go into the fire and be consumed, so to speak. But he's even using those things for his greater purposes. In 1555, in the city of Oxford, England, there were two men, they were bishops, and their names were Latimer and Ridley. And this was during the time of the English Reformation and, you know, it was back at the time of shortly after Henry VIII and you know, the, the kingdom of course the whole all that part of the world was at one time under the Pope and then Henry Eighth sort of wrenched England out from under the power of the Pope and made himself the ruler of the church. And then his he died and His um, son came to power, but he died very briefly. And then his daughter, Mary, came to power. And she was um, a Catholic. And so she then instigated a a massive persecution against the the Protestants, those who um, had revolted against the, the Pope. And these two men, Latimer and Ridley, were Bible men. And so they ended up being swept up in this persecution that was inspired by Mary. And they were sentenced to die being burned at the stake in the, in the city of Oxford. And if you go to Oxford today, it's so crazy when you go to Oxford today because, you know, Oxford is Oxford. The, you're, the university city and, you know, just all the other stuff that you have going on in a typically English city and then you've got this monument right in the center of town. And every tourist that ever goes to Oxford walks right by this monument. But very few people know actually what it, what it is a monument to. It's a monument to these two men. And they were called upon to recant, and they were called upon to deny their embracing of a more biblical faith and so forth and they refused to do it and so they were put to death there that day.
0: For the month of December Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story by Rebecca McLaughlin. Although the holiday season can be filled with fond memories from childhood or the prospect of more to come, the holiday season can also be one of the most difficult times of the year. The longing for those we miss can intensify or the loneliness felt throughout the year can be amplified. Whether the holiday season brings you excitement or dread, Rebecca McLaughlin will introduce you to the man born 2,000 years ago and explain the significance of his birth for you today. She will deal with the incredible claims of Christianity and will help you see that it is perhaps more important than you think. The book is Christmas Unbelievable, Four Questions Everyone Should Ask About the World's Most Famous Story by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God.